All right, everybody. Welcome to the first edition of the Adaptive Golf Podcast. My name's Marcus. Uh, today I'm joined by Chaz and Alex. Um, many of you know those two and probably a few people know me. So this is going to be our best attempt to bring uh, everything that is adaptive golf together. Information from multiple organizations, multiple opinions, stories, which we know y'all have a lot of them. Um, and this is going to be our culmination of it. But how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, looking looking forward to this and uh, and see where this podcast can go. Um, coming up uh, after our intro on the beginning of this, we have Colton Dean of the USGA on. Uh, he talks a, a ton about the USGA Adaptive Open. He's in charge. Uh, he's the tournament director for it, and that's what he's been pretty much spending all of his time on for the last two years. So a, a lot of good information coming out of him. And obviously you guys know him a little bit already. So that's a really good interview. Um, uh, I think a lot of people will like that. Uh, they even talk about SEC football, which is annoying. But um, yeah, why don't we get started? I don't care which you guys can pick. Who wants to tell I'd their story I'd... first? You go first, Alex. You go first. Yeah. Um, first of all, honored uh, to to be able to share stories. Hopefully, you know this podcast inspires people uh, through through stories. And uh, and so, I was born in Ukraine, uh, south of Chernobyl, um, in 1993, and came to America. Got adopted when I was seven, and my dad put a golf club in my hands the second day that we were here. And from that day, I was telling the local pro, like, all I wanted to do was be him. Like, I wanted to be my dad, you know, first day ever holding a golf club. Uh, and I didn't beat him until I was 21 years old. Um, and uh, my dad's a really good golfer. He used to be scratch, uh, a couple, you know, three or four handicap and um, really just – and then I had I grew up in a in a golf family basically. My cousin played in college. Uh, all my cousins played. My grandfather played, and so golf was always there. Um, I played football and soccer, and uh, did a couple other things in high school, um, and just always went back to golf. Uh, I feel like golf always pit me, which was really really cool, and. Um, my mom had been trying to get me to play in adaptive golf tournament since like 2008, I think. Wow. Uh, and part of Noaga, I'm like, no, you know, they're they're like they have one arm and I'm normal and and <laughs> and uh, and then um, so I didn't play my first Noaga event until a couple of years ago, um, where I realized, hey, these guys are. They're kicking my butt. Uh, you know, they're really good. And and, and that, that whole, it's a family. Uh, Noaga, I, I feel like, is my family. And uh, going down there uh, tomorrow uh, to Florida to play in another Noaga event. Um, but that's, that was kind of my introduction to uh, adaptive golf. Um, you know, thank you, Mom. <laughs> thank you, Mom. That's right. Chaz, why don't you go for it? All right. As you guys know, my name is Chaz. Um, I was born with shorts on the pleasure, which is also short stature. Uh, I first had my first golf club when I was about six years old. Uh, I was visiting my neighbor grandpa down in San Diego. And he cuts down one of his own clubs to my size. We go up across the street to a park. And I start teeing it up, hitting, hitting, hitting. And then my grandpa's down in the ways picking up all the balls and I hit it and it was a really good shot. And I look up and it's going right at him <laughs> and it hit, hits him right in the shin. He falls over. My dad starts running after him. And ever since then I was hooked. So I played <laughs> high school, junior golf, all growing up through the years and then competing with 
bunch of my buddies and kind of my swing coach uh, came up to me one day and said, did you see Instagram? I go, no. He goes, the USGA is throwing on an adaptive open. You got to qualify. So I just started working hard every day and just trying to push. And eventually I got where I am and I'm super fortunate for it. That's awesome. And we, we touch on that later with the USGA, how much that's pushed people to, to a different path and adaptive golf for sure. It, it really does. It, it's not only with your swing mentally, how you could focus, how you could do things right is kind of the path that I'm taking and just working at a golf club that supports me so much and all the members it's, it's really forgiving. Yeah. Um, my story, uh, obviously I'm missing my leg now, but, uh, when I was, that's so bad. I can't remember now either 10 and a half or 11. I got cancer for the first time. They just started cutting chunks out of my leg. Still had my leg. Um, came back like a year later. So they did a knee replacement on my leg, but not like an old person resurfacing, like, a like the full, full joint, and the knob, the knobs on both bones. So like a pretty gnarly knee replacement. Six months after that, I broke that knee replacement and my femur above it doing marching band <laughs> of all things, which is wow. I mean, I love band. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But it's like, couldn't have I done it something a little more gnarly than marching band? Marching. But um, well, there was this one time at band camp. Yeah, true, true. Um, but after they redid that one, uh, it's clean for eight years. And then when I was 21, cancer came back third time's a charm with cancer for the most part. So they're like, yep, we're, we're taking that leg, buddy. I'm like, that's fine with me. This thing sucks anyway. So, um, yeah, about a year after I got my leg cut off, uh, I started golfing again. I kind of golfed in high school, but my leg hurt too bad. I couldn't really transfer weight forward and stuff so I, I i just went out there to have fun and screw around um and then the last three and a half four years i've spent uh really trying to get a lot better at golf and i've uh kind of turned it into my career too which obviously you guys have as well so um our our paths meet at very different places but uh yeah, I, think, yeah. I, I think this will be a lot of fun i think we'll be able to give some funny some good some serious information to some folks <laughs> so it'll be good um speaking of information uh, obviously the list hasn't officially came out yet i think you guys don't have to gloat about it but you can talk about it you guys have made it into the jason's tournament the usdga again uh congrats um thank you that list is out uh, mm -hmm. the list isn't out but people have been notified today so uh I, th I think we're looking forward to another another version of a, re a really good tournament jason and john uh and the pga golf club do a a fine job so yeah uh, i think that there there'll be no questions about what you're getting out of that tournament i thought it was fantastic last year unfortunately i wasn't able to make it last year and through social media and watching your guys's videos it looked like a epic event and Finding out this morning at 5 a.m. Pacific time, I woke up and I started screaming because I knew I'm getting there. And it's one step at a time closer, and I get to see the boys again, which I'm very fortunate about. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Alex, this will be second year in a row, right? At Did you play at Laurel yeah. Hill three years ago? Did not. No, I did not. So this this gonna be my second year. Really looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see you know the little changes that they make and and you know how knowing John and and Jason they're they're, they're gonna make it better every year. And um and last year was I mean just a, an absolute blast. Yeah, I, I think, too, uh, I mean, obviously, the PGA of America down there has a zillion resources, which right on site, which is massive for the disabled community or the adaptive yeah. community. Um, but I thought the media that they did, even though it was subtle, I, I think the PGA is going to do more of that this year. And I think that reached a, a lot of places. So hopefully they can hear this mm -hmm. and hopefully they hit their media team, bring a bunch of cameras. They put out a lot of really good stuff last year, I thought so. 
Um, they did, yeah. Last year's There's gonna be a lot of good players too. <laughs> yeah. Last year's tournament came down to Evan Mathias, Ellie, and Pfeiffer for the guy side, and then I, I shame on me, I should have looked this up, but I know Bailey won the women's Bailey Bish, so all those guys I'm assuming will be back there again and looking to defend a defend a title. But watching the dude, the guys final grouping come in on eighteen and they were all within two strokes of each other. That was the first adaptive tournament the first adaptive tournament that I've been to where I felt like Oh, okay, I'm glad I'm not the one hitting the ball. <laughs> <laughs> but uh no, it'll be it'll be a fun time. Chaz, you'll you'll be able to rip that course apart probably with how straight you hit it. Um, Thank you. I'm yeah. ready. And then uh, I have a couple night swing coaches played there, um, so I got a couple tips and stuff we're working on. Um, big Bermuda green that we're practicing at down the road at a private compound. So we're getting excited. We're getting pumped in. I'm so. I think. I can't remember if it's this course, Alex. Tell me if I'm completely wrong on this, but I, I believe all of the greens illusions on this course, you know, you think everything runs at water, and these greens look like they're running at yeah. the water, but they don't. It's like when they break <laughs> uphill, almost. Yes, it, it's yeah. It's kind. They're, so they're, I'm still getting used to Florida golf uh, because I apparently I can't read. Uh, I'm from you know, grew up in Alabama and. Uh, me and Fork, uh, we can't read uh, books or greens. Uh, <laughs> you know, they all, yeah, they all say, like, you know, read the, the grain. I'm like, oh, what grain? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, um, well, I, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I, I'm, my focus is uh, to win the arm division again, uh, which it came again, even that one came. Came to a last hole. Uh, Xander and I were tied on 18, and uh, I got to hit a pretty cool shot out of the trees and and make the putt and take home the the arm division in that one, uh, the G4. Yeah. I uh, I had the special privilege of shooting a 77 in my practice round and then going and shooting in the high 80s for the next three days. That was. It's really, really awesome work of Isn't me. Isn't that fun? <laughs> oh, God, I was so mad, dude. Uh, that was uh, a really humbling. You're just feeling good about life. and Oh, dude, I was so mad. But it's the way the cookie crumbles. That's why why you play the game, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. You like to come back. Do you think uh, – I don't think this question will piss anyone off. We can maybe debate it. Do you think – Play devil's advocate a little bit, I guess, because I, I know you guys like competition. But do you think that having these qualified events or the get-in events based off of handicap and such, see people I feel like online kind of argue that it hurts the game, but I, I can see both sides. I, I still think there's enough events that you need no qualifying for that you can go have fun at. But mm -hmm. I also think for the competitive or the people that – really just want to practice and do this it, it, it ups the higher end so much i what do you guys think i i, I like i kind of like the qualifying pra practice because you're you're paired with the game that you're paired with you know sometimes if you mm -hmm. get paired up with somebody that's shooting higher than you it could get into your your mental game and then you start not playing at your 100 mm -hmm. percent so Having everybody there trying and trying their best, it makes you push even harder. So I feel that's a good aspect. Yeah, no, it. Yeah, it, I, I agree. I, I, yeah, I was fortunate to get paired with someone who shot 131, I think, uh, at the Adaptive Open. Uh, hey, be careful, they might hear this. Uh, yeah, it was like a seven hour round, and you're like, <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, roll time. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it, it is. It is tough when you get, uh, and sometimes you just can't help it. it. It's really interesting when with the adaptive tournaments, like how all of a sudden it's like, oh damn, we've been out here for six and a half hours. Like, and, and it doesn't feel like anyone's 
singular fault by any means. It's like, whoa, Correct. Yeah, yeah, this just got away from us. But I think, yeah, I think towards the end of this season, a lot of people were having conversations about how to make that better and how to set up like the, the endless debate of should it be tea times or shotgun? That's mm. one that I really feel like stirs the drink and disable golf. <laughs> I like tea times. I would say tea times was nice. Like starting with the tea times at the adaptive open, I feel it went smooth. Yeah. You knew what time you had to be at the tee. You had time mm-hmm. to practice. Instead of shotgun, you just go, you know? Yeah. So. But I don't know. That Just a few things I've been thinking about that didn't know what your opinions would be. Don't know what people would I like that. To. That's a good question. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's. It all like we were talking with Colton, uh, you know, it, it depends on how willing the club is to, you know, work with it, the permit director. And I know, um, I know, and, I know uh, 15 minutes isn't standard anywhere for a tea time separation, but if you got a place mm-hmm. that's going to give us 15 minutes worth of tea times, then do the tea times because that's plenty of time for people to spread out and and get going. Yeah. But if you got a place that they're looking to put people on the course the second we're done, then just do the shotgun. Yeah. Cause that, that really is tough when you get the public on riding people, uh, or, you know, not everyone can handle that. And it, correct. I don't know. It, just something and to then think you have about. people to kind of watch golf all the people. You know, <laughs> oh, okay. But, um, I've done that. I know you wanted to uh, talk a little bit before we send it over to Colton uh, about Anthony Kim and his uh, yeah. return to golf. Or this doesn't just have to be adaptive; it can be, yeah, golf. Do you think? Uh, do you think a? Do you think a real return is legit? Like, do you think there is a contract from both sides uh, uh, about to happen, whether it's Live or the PGA, or is? You think he's just getting his toes wet and seeing, seeing what people think about it. I feel like it's almost just kind of getting his toes wet, just getting back into the game. You never know. He could go qualify for some tournament or Liv will come after him and try to get him to join their tour. I I think if he's smart, he goes straight to Liv, join a, a team. And uh, takes the money, and you know if he shows up, he, I mean Phil Mickelson got here shooting you know eighties and making uh, you know five hundred million dollars. Yeah, um, that's wild. <laughs> and so you're like, okay, well, um, I think you know I, I, it all depends on if he really wants to compete. You know, if he's serious about competing, I think you you. Prove, you know, you go through the Monday qualifier, you go through the, you know, uh, you go to PGA Tour, but if you're, you know, if he's run out of money. (laughs) Here's a, this is a ballpark one. I mean, I think he can make more money on tour, but with his name and since he was kind of done before social media was like massive, massive. Mm -hmm. What if he just goes pure content and says, I'm going to make all my money that way because everyone would watch? Oh, yeah. That if is if very he joined up with, with Rick Shields or somebody like that, yeah, it wouldn't be fair. He could put out his own. Everyone would want to play him. Correct. Everyone on the planet would want to play I think that's a very uh, right field uh, opinion or option. But I don't know. Look at what Good Good or Bob does sports do I mean that's two completely different realms of golf, and they're both making absolute cash on YouTube. Yes, it's crazy. So if he did something like that, I could I could see it. Yeah, I, I think. Oh man, I, I really think he's gonna try to at least play one of it, just yeah. to see. Hey, this is because you know what's been happening. He's been where's he in California? I think. Um. He's been, you know, at the country club taking all the all the people's money, <laughs> and you know, playing against one or two tour guys and kicking their ass because guess what? You're, you know, you play there every day, um, and so I, I think he he got 
confident enough to at least start putting media out there. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be interesting to watch. Um is there anything that you guys wanted to cover, I guess, before we send it over to Colton? I know there's a few other uh things maybe that you guys had. Full clean uh, too. Yeah, Full Clean Season 2 comes out. Y'all got to remember that this is, uh, they were filming when uh, they told Roy uh, McElroy that um, the PGA and the Live were joining. So I'm really, I'm literally, I, I'm so excited to, to watch, uh, see what he does there. I want to know, know how much Rory <laughs> got paid to back off his opinion. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> We'll see when it comes out. Oh, man, yeah, he, we'll, we'll see when it comes out. He got put in such a bad spot. <laughs> that was rough. Yeah, it, it was a no-win situation for him. No, not at all. He had to be, like, just the face of all this, and now he's like, uh And it's it sucks because it's like, Oh, that's so tough. He got put in such a bad yeah, spot. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like the PGA definitely uh would definitely scapegoat at him. But um that's all I got for intros and stuff. If you guys are good. Yeah. Um I'm good. Thank you guys again for checking this out. And uh let's send her over to Colton Dean, the adaptive tournament director of the USGA. Thank you guys. Yes, sir. Colton. All right, and welcome back to the Adaptive Golf Podcast, our first episode. Um, pretty stoked to have our first guest <clears throat> on here. Um, I'll kick it over to Alex now so he can introduce him. Yeah, what's up, guys? My name's Alex Corey, and uh, we get the privilege of having Colton Dean uh, on our podcast. So thank you for coming on, uh, Colton Heggs. I met Colton at the GXGA Adaptive um, Tournament, and I was completely blown away um, at how different it was. Um, and I had to uh, – Colton knows this, but I, I always register late, and I always uh, – hey can i like slide into a tournament and he's like bro registration was like four months ago but sure (laughs) uh and so uh that was the first time i got to meet colton and just the level of details and and player care that you know i felt um as a new adaptive golfer uh brought a lot of appreciation for what Colton does. I'm going to let Colton do the rest of the talking. Otherwise I'm going to hog everything, but Colton, thank you so much for coming on. Um, would love to, you know, kind of see what you're doing now and, uh, and yeah. let the world know uh, where you're do what you're doing now. Yeah, for sure. No, thank y'all for having me on. Uh, I think this, this podcast is an awesome idea. Uh, I know it's going to grow and be super successful. So I'm honored to, uh, to be the first guest and hopefully, hopefully a good one, hopefully a good one, maybe, <laughs> maybe a reoccurring guest, you know, if you need me back on, I feel free to, to reach out at any time. Happy to, uh, to come on and, and, and uh, talk with you guys, but yeah, you covered it. You know, um, that's uh, you know, just specifically with adaptive golf, that's where I got my start uh, in adaptive golf uh, was with the GSGA, which is the Georgia state golf association um, back in 2018 uh, I started helping, uh, a name that, uh, everybody knows in adaptive pretty much David Windsor, uh, helped him with oh, clinics yeah. and programming, uh, in the state of Georgia when, uh, at a time when, you know, what used to be called state and regional golf associations, what's what we now call allied golf associations or AGAs. Um, we're not really on the scene in adaptive golf, weren't too entrenched in it just yet. Uh, GSJ was sort of leading the way as far as AGAs are concerned, um, so it was good to get that that kind of ground level view of of clinics and programming and understand a little bit more about uh, different disabilities and different impairments and and how those affect the golf swing and learning all that good stuff for about a year before we put on our our first event in Georgia um, back in 2019 was was the inaugural uh, Georgia Adaptive Open and 
uh, they're on their fifth fifth adaptive open now. Um, so it's definitely grown and and glad to have Kevin Duffy there, who's who's the who's the man in charge. But I left the uh, the GSGA back in uh, I guess it was last year, so I can't say back in when it's only one year ago. But uh, <laughs> last year, 2023, <clears throat> up on my one year uh, anniversary with the USGA. Uh, and working with the Adaptive Open, uh, the championship manager for the Adaptive Open. Um, so I got one year under my belt. I helped him uh, helped him out when I was still with the GSGA uh, for the inaugural U.S. Adaptive Open, uh, just from a rules side and course setup and that kind of thing leading up to the championship and then at the championship. So definitely um, uh, has changed my um, sort of you know, path in, in golf administration. I started off as a, you know, boat ride intern and kind of a standard, you know, path of just running championships, nor, you know, just regular championships for state golf associations. And uh, once I found adaptive though, that was definitely a, um, a moment that kind of took me down a different path. Uh, it was something that I was passionate about and really felt like there was a need to uh, have more competitions uh, with adaptive golf and, and to try to expand that as much as I could. And, ultimately led me here to the to the usga so now i've definitely talked too much so i'm gonna let y'all <laughs> kind of bouncing off what you just said was it a player or did you stumble across a tournament like what was it in adaptive golf that made you go okay i mean there's a thousand different paths in the golf field why yeah why focus on this now or what started in that yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, working with with David Windsor uh, through clinics and programming and seeing the power that golf can have um, on on and off the golf course, whether it's, you know, at the driving range and uh, people that maybe have had an accident or um, are coming back from something that need an outlet with uh, other people who have similar uh, similar circumstances and, and getting that community together and how it can really change somebody's life and and give them a, give them a, an outlet to just get out and, and, um, continue to continue in sports, you know, whatever it may be, whether it's maybe nothing happened to them, maybe it was congenital. And, and that was just, you know, thought that they couldn't participate in sports, but, you know, golf is definitely available for everyone. Um, and just sort sort of seeing the power that adaptive golf has is, is what made me kind of pursue that. Awesome. That's rad. <clears throat> no, for um, sure. I kind of got a question for you too. Um, how do you feel the future is looking like with the USGA and adaptive golf? I think the future is bright. Um, I think there's a lot of room for growth uh, in this country altogether. Um, you know, thinking back to 2019 timeframe when, when I first started getting into adaptive golf competitions, I think there was only a handful of players that were even fully eligible for, you know, a WR4 GD pass uh, mm -hmm. at that time in the U S and now I think we're over, 630 people that are okay. eligible with WR, WR4 GD passes, which is huge growth in, in less than, you know, five years. Um, I, you know, when back then there was basically seven to 10 events that were WR4 GD counting events. Uh, last year we had over 30 uh, in, in the U.S. And this wow. year we even more um, we, that we know of. So um, not, not only with, you know, the USGA, you know, the U S adaptive open is, is, is one thing, but you know, the growth that is happening all over the country is super awesome to see. Um, but with the U S adaptive open, you know, recently we announced we're moving qualifying. Uh, we think that's a good step. Uh, yeah. and, uh, hopefully it, it, it drives more people to uh, try to uh, qualify and get into the U S adaptive open as a, um, you know, as a chance to win a national championship. Yeah. Exactly. Could you, could you maybe, uh, elaborate more on, <clears throat> what exactly i know you're not gonna mm. delve too much into the things that you can't say but yeah. um in terms of the qualifying who will get in um and who's already in if you could maybe tell people about that a little bit yeah for sure i mean a lot of, like you said a lot of the details we haven't quite released yet uh we plan to in early february have another sort of uh uh, update, I guess you could say on, on qualifying and, and how all that stands, but we will have six qualifiers, uh, across the country, Florida, Georgia, Indiana, Texas, uh, the Met golf association, which is, uh, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, and then Southern California. Um, some of those golf associations have conducted their own adaptive golf competitions before, uh, some haven't. So, um, we did try to, you know, find a, find a good, balance of spreading it out across the country based on 
where our entries have come from in the first two years of the U.S. Adaptive Open. Um, we will still have the eight impairment categories that we've had at the championship. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's going to look exactly like uh, USGA qualifying, uh, like you would see at a mm -hmm. U.S. Amateur or a U.S. Open. Yeah. But it certainly it will have the uh, the characteristic of of being open now. Um, you you know you go and and you try to qualify. Anybody mm -hmm. can sign up that's eligible, and uh, you can play your way in. Uh, and that's that's kind of the main goal of 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 this move. Do you that's amazing? Do you suspect? Uh, we were kind of chatting about this yesterday. Do you suspect like people will try and game like if they think there's going to be 150 people playing in the Indiana one. Do you suspect people will try and travel to get into smaller fields? Like, I, I'll, I'll be curious to see what people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're hitting on a point that happens in all the USJ qualifiers, right? I mean, it's, uh, mm -hmm. it happens at the USAM, you know, you may see a player from oh, yeah. Southern California uh, try to go to North Dakota or something to qualify because there's less people yep. that maybe they have a better chance there uh, than trying to qualify in Southern Cal. Uh, or any other state that has, you know, a huge golf population. You see it with, uh, you know, U.S. Mid-Am qualifying. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of the qualifiers, you know, people try to pick and choose, you know, where they might could, could have an advantage, and that's something that might happen uh, with adaptive open qualifying. That'll be interesting. Uh, I have one more on that, and then I'll let someone else ask a question. But um, have you received any feedback about, the, like, from international guys that have previously made the tournament that are like – yeah, or, you know, now it's going to be really inconvenient for us, or is it really more driven off of this is a U.S. Open, we're going to give our people a chance first, or how how does that look? Right. Yeah. No, we have, and and that's something that we kind of saw as a little bit of a downside uh, coming making the move to qualifying was uh, the extra trip for international players, especially overseas. I mean, you know, for the for your Canadian players, maybe, and and you know even Mexico into South America, some, some areas of South America, it might not be as much of a, of a burden as, you know, someone coming from Europe or, or, uh, you know, an Asian country. Japan. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and those countries have showed, shown great support for the championship uh, the first two years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it, our goal is, is to have the best field possible that we can, um, you know, and be the, mm -hmm. be the U S open for adaptive golf. Uh, with that, you know, the international the players, there's a lot of good, strong international players. Some of them will be have exemptions already uh, based on their past finishes in U.S. Adaptive Opens. Um, but, you know, it's a place to start, I think, is kind of how we uh, we view it right now. Um, it's uh, we, we definitely wanted to make the move to qualifying just based on, you know, feedback uh, that we've heard for for two years now, you know, both. Uh, through the grapevine feedback, you can call it, and uh, an official survey <laughs> that we sent out to uh, to all entries last July, kind of while it was still fresh yep. in everyone's mm -hmm. mind. Um, and based on that feedback, I mean, it, it was just extremely positive uh, that that we should make that move. Um, so a lot of it is is driven off off of what we what we received with feedback. And like I said, it, this is just the the beginning, um, and it's a place to start for us. And you know, we can grow from here. Uh, and make moves mm -hmm. based on how this how this first year goes with qualifying. Yeah. Um, Colton, I was wondering, has other golf clubs been reaching out to the USGA ever since they first saw the Aptive Open to host another event? Is it growing or is it around the same, same? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've we've just me personally, you know, you get uh, an email or a phone call um just about once a week, maybe more frequently of, of uh, from different areas of the country saying, you know, how can we get involved? Who can we get in touch with to help locally? Um, which is usually kind of how I, how I approach uh, any, any phone call or email like that is to, to look locally where they're at, you know, whether mm -hmm. it's Washington state or, or Georgia, you know, I'll try to find some clinics or programming or, or an adaptive golf contact that I have in that area and kind of set them up uh, with that person and, um, you know, maybe it blossoms to them wanting to uh, do something at their club, you know, if it's a PGA mm -hmm. program, something like that, um, or if it's another AGA, they can kind of learn from, from AGAs who, who are in the space already, uh, and can contribute in that way. It'll be interesting awesome. to, it'll be interesting to see the field with the Wichita, uh, location, yeah. because that'll give, that'll give damn near everybody a chance to drive to it. So it kind of takes like the airfare travel part of applying to Pinehurst out of it. 
a little bit. It'll be interesting to see if that changes anything. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the site we're going to, Sand Creek Station, is is a good golf course. Um, it's but not only that, it's a great community. I mean, it's a smaller town. Uh, it's just outside Wichita, Kansas. Uh, it's called New. Yeah. Smaller town, railroad town, uh, but they're a tight knit community. They're they've they've been awesome so far with supporting the championship, and they're going to put on a great show and uh, be great hosts. Be great hosts to all the players uh, that come to the championship. And like you said, I mean, it's smack dab smack dab in the middle of the country. You know, if you kind of just right. put your finger on a map and try to point to it, there's a decent chance you'll hit Sand Creek Station. So that part of it is kind of cool. Yeah. Awesome. Got I've got a couple questions as well. First of all, how did you pick the course? Do the do the courses come to you or um, you know, how did you land on that? And then, you know, the announcement for 2025 and 2026 yeah, um, I mean, courses. How did that work? Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean it's uh, as you know, I guess I should say it's pretty it's a different uh it's a different process with adaptive competitions. There's a lot of different mm -hmm. uh, checklist items that you have to look for um as as you all know um mm -hmm. it's not the same as uh going to a usam site visit future site visit or something like that there's just a lot more components that we have to take into uh you know me and the team uh with the with the adaptive open and make sure it's a good fit uh you know sand creek station checked off you know almost all those boxes uh as well as woodmont you know woodmont country club and rockville maryland mm -hmm. where we'll be going in uh 25 and 26 um one thing about those those two clubs are as they've both they both hosted USGA championships before, um, so that's a big positive. Knowing you know what exactly is coming at them um, from from mm -hmm. a, a standard championships administration standpoint, maybe not with the adaptive open. There's a lot more that kind of comes <laughs> at you, but uh, you know the general feel <laughs> for uh, volunteers and and the build and everything that that surrounds a USGA championship. So um, a lot of it is. Uh, is club buy-in, you know, and, and, and finding a great host that you, that you have that, you know, mm -hmm. compatibility with and relationship with and, and just knowing that uh, you're in good hands and, and you can form a great team uh, over the years. And as you build towards a championship. Yeah. I've, I've Amazing. been, I've, I feel like that's massive. Um, if you, if you get out to a place and see it at other tournaments and it, it you can't help it always, but it's a difference between, the course is wanting us to be there and the course is us allowing us to be there, I guess. And you can feel it, I think. So that's nice that that's something that you guys are obviously looking towards and out for. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, that, and that's, you know, I will say with both of those clubs, I mean, just, you know, awesome staff, complete buy-in. Um, and I think they're both going to be really, really awesome. So looking forward to working with, uh, with both of them. That's awesome. It's amazing. I feel not only it's just the staff, but it's also the members uh, yeah. that are along mm -hmm. the club. Like when we're out at Pinehurst, the members that all the volunteers that put their hands in to help was a big aspect of the game. For sure. Huge. I mean, yeah. you know, without those volunteers, I mean, we can't, we can't run a successful championship without a doubt. So, you know, I think Chad is hitting on a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Them putting in a bunch of free, you know, a bunch of hours, long hours in the sun and, and otherwise. Yeah. You know, the great community in Pinehurst, they always support our championships. Um, and, and it was yeah. it was a perfect place to start it uh, because mm -hmm. we have awesome support there. And they, they know how to conduct uh, – they know how to, to host championships, that's for sure. Speaking of Pinehurst, uh, off the adaptive subject for a second, how excited is everyone to have uh, U.S. back at number two? Oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's really excited. Uh, this year's going to be big. Uh, we just host. We just opened our. Um, I guess you could call it a second home. Uh, our second office. Uh, we got the the one in New Jersey. Yeah. But the one in Pinehurst just opened, and it's state of the art. You know, um, a lot of our employees are down there now. I think we have about sixty. Uh, but not only that, you know, the Hall of Fame experience that's going to be there uh, in time for the open, and and everything that that just it goes with the u.s open in general um at number two it's always a special place to to host at um with the history there and just a <laughs> phenomenal donald ross golf course and you know redesigned by cork Crenshaw. so it's really it's really easy to uh to use that golf course it's kind of just out you know it's it's there ready for the for the for the best players in the world so um it's going to be awesome mm -hmm. to be there that's have they had to make it uh any longer since the last open that's been there 
like it, significantly it, it, longer. It'll it'll play pretty similar as far as yardage uh, as the last. Uh, I guess it was twenty fourteen um, as as that last open. I was curious about that, but Alex, you got one for him. Yeah, I'd love to talk about classifications. You know, what, what does that look like? I know there's eight right now. Are y'all looking to expand uh, on that in the future? Uh, you know, there's a lot of golfers that are in unique classifications. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's, I, that's another question that I have for sure. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's, uh, it's definitely sort of like uh, trying to marry um two different <laughs> two different uh two different concepts right when we when the u.s yeah. had open first started it was like you know kind of in europe there is you know two sets of t's one for women one for men and regardless of kind of your disability or, or sport class you just played from that t if you're a man you played from this t if you're a woman so mm -hmm. and then in the u.s you know alex and albert and marcus as you all know uh you know there's you know, the USA AGA, which has the 15 sport classes, which everyone's mm -hmm. with here. And it was sort of a, let's pick, let's take some of that and some of that and, and kind of see where we end up. And, you know, where the, where the U S mm -hmm. adaptive open ended up was the eight impairment categories and uh, can't, can rattle them all off, but not, not sure if we need to, but uh, yeah, we feel like uh, no. it's worked pretty well. Um, the first two years, I know it's not perfect. Um, what we really, like doing last year was kind of subdividing uh categories um if mm -hmm. i know that um mm -hmm. some of you that played realized that we did that but alex you know for you you know we had basically two different t sets within the arm impairment category based on your level of impairment correct um, yeah what, i love that i thought wasn't was, that i, I thought her her yeah wasn't that also with uh the short stature players as well yeah. colton yeah. a little bit because exactly. i remember Curtis was one one behind me last year. That's right, Howard. Yep, yep. Uh, we did uh, short stature was the the same way. Uh, multiple limb amputee. We did it in 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 uh, in at least a handful of of impairment categories. Uh, not all of them, but in, in a handful we did subdivide. That way we could give uh, give different you know yardage looks to uh, based on your impairment, based on your level of impairment. Yeah. We felt like was was a fair way to do it without adding you know more categories. No. I'm a hopper like Brian Bemis is. Yeah. What tees did he play from? Did you give him the option of the front for the leg, or was he stubborn, or did he not have an option? That's a, that's actually a big question. I, I don't I don't think that we changed any for the leg impairment. I want to say that they were all the same. Because um, me and him always talk at tournaments, and and we don't care. We'll play with the right. guys that like whatever. That's fine. But right. people always ask us. They're like. Well, you don't play with a prosthetic on. How is that the same? Like, I, I don't really know, but <laughs> it, it is interesting. I'm, right. And I, I think I remember we even, you know, ha had those conversations, but I don't know if we ended up, I'm, I'm looking at it right now just to see where we were with, with leg impairment category. Yeah. Everyone played, everyone played from the back uh, in the leg impairment category, but like, but I mean, like you bring up Marcus, I mean, it's a good point. It's like, uh, all these things you have to consider because everything, every, everybody's just a little bit different, you know, and, yeah. and there's, there's multiple different mm -hmm. levels of impairment within our impairment categories. So uh, I remember that con those conversations happening along with others, uh, you know, exactly uh, how to subdivide and, and who goes where. Um, luckily we have our, uh, a good, a good relationship with Shirley Ryan ability lab uh, mm -hmm. and uh, their doctors help us a lot with um, you know, understanding kind of what the assessment says, what the medical assessment says and, and how it could affect uh, the game of golf. And uh, they work with a lot of different sports and we're lucky that we have them to kind of lean on when we yeah. are in like a toss up situation or, or when we're trying to figure out more about what the, what the impairment level is. Yeah. Um, Colton, based off the analysis last year and the year before, are the yardages going to be around the same or is that going to be changed up a little bit? Yeah, I mean, we're we collected a lot of data. I mean, I know that everybody that was there could see the the our uh, mm -hmm. our data people out there, our our equipment mm -hmm. standards folks. So we're still reviewing a lot of that. Um, a lot of that won't come out until later. And and as 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 you all know, some of it goes into where you're playing the the championship. I mean, if you know what what the golf course is offering, sometimes will will set kind of where we're at as far as yardages. 
Um, but you know, to your question, it won't be a drastic shift. I couldn't see that. Um, but, uh, based on kind of our view and our continued kind of look at what the data says, we, we probably will make some small changes. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Cool. Question about the um, the qualifying. I think everybody wants to know: Is it gonna be like a normal U.S. qualifier where the top, you know, fifteen get in, or is it gonna be qualifying by um, division? Right. Yeah. This is this is gonna be where everybody's gonna get mad at me for <laughs> not being able to get into details. But yeah. it's, it's a good yeah. it's a good question to bring up uh, because yeah. you know for anybody that's listening, I, I want them to know kind of the timeline of the next communication. And mm -hmm. right now we're shooting for uh, early early February as an additional mm -hmm. uh, update on kind of uh, the U.S. Adaptive Open uh, qualifying model. So be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. You know, social media channels uh, is usually the best place. Uh, to find that update. Um, Sorry, I couldn't provide more. No, that, that's I <laughs> no, mean, absolutely. We we had. No, try. I was just trying to flip it under a table and see if he would trip yeah, the table. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> you're good. You're good. You know me. You know me. Kind of, uh, <laughs> kind of a question about yourself or uh, yeah, given your job for the last not just with the USGA but with the GSGA. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming you got an opportunity to play some pretty sweet courses. Like what's uh, the, the best course or your favorite course you've ever played? Uh, whew, that's a good one. Um, I've played a lot. I've played in some, you know, really good courses in Georgia, but also some really kind of backwoods uh, in the sticks country, uh, yeah. you know, kind of courses in Georgia. So some of those hold a special place. Have in you Georgia. played match club? I have. Have you played yeah. Match Club yet? I have played. I think uh, that's probably my answer. For invite. I think that's probably my answer is uh I have I've gotten lucky enough to play a hoopy uh match club mm -hmm. one time. Um <laughs> but uh it was that was a crazy, crazy experience. You know, great golf course, but they you know just the whole the whole kind of uh how they treat golf and everything's a match and um just the the atmosphere there. Um obviously uh -huh. the architecture is super strong uh, with the golf course, but just the experience as a whole was awesome. It's actually that course right there. So I got it behind me, you know, as a, uh, maybe I'll get there again one day uh, and get to play. But, yeah. but that was a really good one for sure. Um, this kind of more personal because I live in Wisconsin. Uh, there's a ton of USGA events blowing up in the middle of Wisconsin. It's crazy to see all these courses. Yeah, there, there is. Uh, and the, I mean, uh, there's a lot of good golf in Wisconsin. You know, I think the goal, uh, one of the goals, at least of the USGA championships is to go to the best golf courses, right? That's usually where you're going to be able to identify your national champions. Uh, and there's no doubt that Wisconsin is, is not short on really good golf. So, uh, and, and also the support there. Crap, crappy <laughs> football though. Oh, okay. no, I didn't say that. Okay. <laughs> I, didn't, I would never say I that. Said it. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the support you get in Wisconsin, right? We've talked about the community yeah. volunteers that's needed mm -hmm. around USGA championships. And uh, it seems like every time we're in Wisconsin, the support's always super good. So you got really great golf and, and great support. That's a, that's a recipe for success. And a lot of beer. A lot of beer helps. Ooh, yeah, a lot, lot of beer. beer helps. <laughs> um, that is true. Alex, how many, you got a couple more? Yeah, I got a couple for uh, for Colton, a lot more uh, low-key. Um, how did you get into golf? That, okay, that is low-key. I, I never know what to expect when you're asking the question. <laughs> no. Like a softball, like a fastball, like you're know, going to paint the corner. He's going to get you, get you with something. I know. I never know. But, yeah, so I got into golf. Uh, it's funny. I, you know, I use the baseball analogy there. Basically, when the ball started moving, I kind of quit baseball. <laughs> Um, and decided mm -hmm. I wanted to, I wanted to hit the one that wasn't moving. Um, and, uh, kind of like uh, when, um, uh, English came into math, that's when I quit doing math. Yeah, yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Uh, but no, I grew up at a little nine hole course, uh, in my hometown, uh, in Georgia and, uh, grew up going there in the summer and it was kind of just the thing to do. Right. It was almost like a, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I don't, I, I don't know if it was like this or not for my parents, but it felt like sometimes it was almost like a daycare, you know, you go. <laughs> Drop your, kid, yeah. drop your kids off and it was like four or five of us that grew up together and we'd play all day and go swimming and eat hot dogs and drink cokes and that's just what you did in the summer and, and it, that's how i got my initial start in golf and um 
you know, by the time I was, you know, 10 or 11 or so or whatever, and started playing in competitions and um, just went from there really. And, and stuck with it as a game I, I fell in love with pretty easily, you know, being outdoors and the competition side of it and growing up, like I said, around those four or five guys that um, ended up playing on high school teams with and still good friends with them today. And I saw the power it could have, uh, you know, it showed character on the golf course, but it also, it built you as a person uh, off the golf course and, and, and uh, definitely helped shape me uh, with to who I am today. And I think it can do that for, for a lot of people, for anybody really. Yeah. I feel like the shaping you off of the golf course is uh, once you hit the point in golf where you can get mad at yourself quietly, that then you've grown as a person. <laughs> <laughs> That's big. That's always huge. I don't even hardly get mad. Holding it in. Um, there we go. We we gotta talk a little bit about football. What what happened this year? Yeah, I, I know I, you're a big Georgia Bulldog. I, I, are you gonna oh. bring it up as a Tennessee fan? Oh, <laughs> we have we have fun with the NCAA. So we we just like to go back and forth. As a Wisconsin, like to win championship. But... As a Wisconsin fan, I'm gonna stay out of this one for right now. <laughs> yeah, we, we came were... up short this year, but uh, luckily, nah, luckily for both you and I, Alex, uh, Nick Saban's gone now, so maybe we oh, can. Oh, thank you know, God! Maybe we can have a better shot at. Really, I'm an Auburn fan, but you know, I don't really tell people that because I live in Tennessee well, now. And, you're a Tennessee guy. <laughs> and so, um, oh, you, you can't I, be both, though. You can't kind of be both. You got to pick one, Alex. What the heck? I mean, the, the problem is I have friends that play, you know, football and coach at UT, and then she's like, oh, you know, where are you going to, you know, go balls? Come, come be, you know, like either way, there. either way, coming from a guy that lives right outside Athens, both of those are bad. I'm sorry. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> I know. we can agree that Nick Kate, Nick Kate, and Sean and and Coach. We can agree on that. We can definitely agree on that. I'll, I'll uh, I'll, uh, I'll meet you in the middle there. <laughs> I, I really, thought, I really thought Georgia still would have had the best chance to beat Michigan this year. Oh, absolutely. Probably so. I mean, you know, that style of play. Uh, yeah. How Michigan wants to play is kind of how Georgia wants to play. And, and Meet you in the middle. I, I would have I would have liked to – I would have liked to uh, for the dogs to have that shot. But they uh, they had their shot in Atlanta to try to beat Alabama, and they didn't. So, um, hopefully uh, hopefully they'll be back next year, though. I think we'll be uh, – I think we'll be right there at the end of it. You know, now with 12 teams, uh, surely we can get in. Uh, but we'll see. It should be interesting. I, I can't. Everyone's like, yeah, expand, expand the playoff, expand the playoff, so we can stop being about who's getting fourth, and now we'll just complain who's about who's getting twelfth. <laughs> like, right? Get the conversation down a little bit. It, it will be interesting though, because then, uh, like you said, Georgia drops to six or whatever, and that who wants to play Georgia at six when you're the seven or eight team? Like that wouldn't be fun. Right. Right. There's always going to be people that uh that have uh that have complaints about how it's done and, and that kind of thing. But yeah. I don't know. I, I like I like the playoff system okay. Um but uh yeah, like you said, that you know, there's still gonna be conversations about who's twelfth, who's eleventh, and who gets to host the home game and anyways. Yeah, I gotta go back to golf real quick. What's your favorite I, golf smell? <laughs> favorite <laughs> golf smell. Um, man, that's a tough one. I, there's a lot of good golf smells. Like, I feel like the, the obvious one that everybody would say is like fresh cut grass, right? Early in the morning, uh, you got the mowers, mm -hmm. it's like a, 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 a full, full senses thing. You can hear the mowers and smell the grass, but I, I don't know, man. I go back to my, again, kind of growing up around, um, this little nine hole country club, you know, that was just sort of a, uh, kind of a country type you know, environment where everybody was just kind of hanging out. And I, I can think of, I, I can remember the smells of like mm. your hands after you've been playing all day, like that kind of grip, that, that grip kind of smell, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's like that, a hockey that, smell. It is. That, that one's always kind of good because <laughs> you know, you've put in the work that day and, and you felt like you accomplished something. So that's kind of a weird one. Uh, but, but obviously the, uh, the fresh cut grass one is, is really good. What are y'all's? I would say fresh cut grass for sure. That or the, the gas smell in the morning from the mowers. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like a, there. 
a, a freshly lit cigar is usually pretty oh, good on the golf course. That's nice. That's um, a good one. I'd agree with grass though, or the dew in the mornings is. I love uh, like a big tournament uh, when they put the fresh pine straw down mm. and, and you just start walking out and all you smell is the mulch and the pine straw and you're like, I, I, am I going to pack out just from that? But I, that's what I remember growing up. I don't get that out here in California, so. <laughs> uh, I suppose the occasional courses that have actual grills on their turns mm. – I'm not oh, the, yeah. not the fancy ones though, like the ones that are cooking on like a charbroiler that you can smell from two <laughs> miles away. That's always nice. No doubt. Can, what? What's in your bag right now? That's what I really want to know. What What are you playing with? My bag right now. Um, I'm actually mm -hmm. looking at it to make sure I, I'm I'm getting it right. Uh, I uh, I game a lot of different stuff. I game a lot of Callaway, um, Titleist. Uh, I got an Odyssey putter right now. Uh, I got some Titleist wedges, so I I, I spread it out pretty yeah. evenly uh, across the bag. I don't really have one brand that I kind of I kind of lean to. It's sort of just um, yeah. you know whatever works for me when I when I uh, whenever I do get new clubs. But man, it's been a while since I've since I've had an upgrade. <laughs> I feel like you find clubs that you like though, and once you find a set that you're really comfortable with, you don't necessarily want yeah. to upgrade. I guess. For sure. I mean, that's the that's the case, you know, with my driver. I've had that thing for, I don't know, six years or so. It's just like once you've once you get comfortable with something, you you really don't want to change it because then you got to kind of get used to something mm -hmm. else, and you're worried. You know, you start blaming the clubs when you, when you <laughs> miss it off the tee, and yeah, I, I'm I'm a uh, I'm that same way as far as keeping clubs in the bag for probably too long. I think it's with the driver thing. It's funny at a bunch of disabled tournaments when you get the the good old boys, the the old old boys, and they'll have they'll carry two drivers in their bag. Be like, "What are you doing?" Well, I don't know how I'm going to hit it today, so I brought both. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I brought my Callaway FT3 and my smoke. <laughs> yeah, no, I just seen that for sure. That's funny. The amount of things that you see in a disabled golf tournament. Have you been to uh, a couple? Of, well, you said you've been around a couple others. Have you been to any up in the Midwest? I haven't been to any in the Midwest. Um, I've been to, you know, obviously some of the AGA ran ran ones. Um, you know, the Georgia, obviously, I was yeah in that one for a few years. U.S. Disabled uh, Open, uh, the one that Jason and John run. I've been to that one, and then, um. It's a couple of U.S. blonde events I've been to, um, so I've been I've been to a few, but I don't I don't think I've been to one in the Midwest yet, unless I'm forgetting something. Th those are those would crack you up for a different reason. <laughs> those, <laughs> to get those up are there. wild uh, and crazy. They're they're a lot of fun. <laughs> I'll to get I'll to put one on the schedule this year. Right, it's like the wild wild west. Love how it. how insane is it to watch a full blind golf tournament? I've only played with a couple blind guys, and I think it's. Uh, like actually impossible to think about but mm -hmm. what's it like watching a full tournament like that yeah super impressive i mean they're they're uh they're unbelievable uh and luckily there's one uh in georgia again this year uh but it was in georgia last year uh, in columbus and that was the uh the u.s blonde open uh u.s uh, bga uh that that hosts that one so i got to go down there and uh, obviously with you know, coming up through GSGA, I got to be good friends with Greg Hooper, who's highly involved with USBGA, and um, you know that they're they're uh, they're very impressive, and and it was uh, a, a lot of kind of what we've learned from from the visually impaired community led to some changes at the Adaptive Open uh, this last year. You know, the yellow flags, yellow flags, yellow flag sticks, um, you know, yellow caddy bibs for visually impaired players. Um, a lot of those small things that that we've heard based on feedback from blind and visually impaired players, and I think I think a couple more changes uh, coming down the pipe uh, for for that specifically. So, um, and again, that, that's that's why we get out to those to all these events is just yeah. to to learn and 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 to try to keep making the U.S. Adaptive Open uh, better every year. Yeah, uh, awesome. Going back to the Adaptive Open, has any of the PGA pros been reaching out, trying to support anything like that? Um, we, we, we have, uh, we got, we've had some good support, uh, from, from, uh, you know, from the U S U S open, uh, players, you know, recording messages and, and things like that, you know, whether it's, you know, 
a pre-recorded video or a social media shout out or something like that. But um, we've certainly had some people that uh, have wanted to speak at the clinic when we hosted it at Pinehurst uh, the first couple of years. So there's definitely been support from uh, from, you know, tour players, uh, you know, with the adaptive open um, that, that is, you know, really good to see. Um, and I think uh, I think that it'll it'll continue to grow uh, in support as as again, as adaptive golf grows across the country. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like last year's tournament, uh, I mean, and it's a small thing, but it is a big thing with the way social media is having some of the pros and I mean, even Tiger tweeting about the tournament. It, yeah, I mean, that puts a million more eyes on it just from one mm-hmm. press of a button. And, you know, I, I, I know people don't have to go out of their way to do that, but it takes them five seconds and it yeah opens up a, a billion more eyes. And I think that yeah. that's cool. For sure. And, and, you know, huge props to golf channel as well, you know, yeah. NBC for, yeah. for getting out and coming to the adaptive open and the coverage that they provide and all the media partners that, you know, that, that come out, whether it's local, national, you know, all of that is, is awesome to see. And like you said, it puts eyes on, on adaptive golf, which is, uh, which is necessary for, for growth and, and for, for learning too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you been looking at other countries as well? And, you know, what I would love, I would love to have a adaptive British Open. Yeah, you know, I would love to see a, a you know, a, a, a PGA, kind of like the four staples yeah. of majors. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you been looking anywhere in Europe as well uh, to kind of model after or just to see what they're doing? Or, you know, yeah. I think it's the EDGA. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Edgar is is kind of you know Edgar, they've, yeah. they've been doing it for a long time uh, over in Europe and mm-hmm. and, in, in, and around the globe really uh, with their you know their their, uh, their events and um, mm-hmm. certainly learned a lot from them and you know Tony Bennett and the, the crew there with with Edgar uh, super mm-hmm. super nice and and super super accommodating to anything that we've needed and and helpful in, in the process as we uh, you know continue to build out our adaptive open but. Um, you know, to your point, the RNA, uh, they hosted their first, uh, didn't call it adaptive open. You know, they called it the, the G4D open, which is, you know, golf, okay. yeah. which is yeah. kind of more of the, uh, more of the terminology in Europe, um, golf or disabled. So they, they, mm-hmm. they hosted their first, uh, G4D open last year. I got to go over there for a couple of days and, and check that out. And they did an awesome job, uh, with the RNA and looking forward to seeing how they, they continue to you know, conduct their championship in the similar vein as, you know, we, we have the U S open and, and, and they have the, uh, the open championship. So, um, mm-hmm. hopefully that, uh, you know, we can continue to kind of align and, and grow together. Uh, I think that's, that's yeah. the, definitely the way that we want to go and the way that they want to go. And, you know, they're, uh, adaptive golf as a whole, like you mentioned, I mean, it'd be great to have, you know, continue to have these major events, you know, to showcase uh, mm-hmm. all adaptive players. Well, exactly. It, the the need for them proves how much better the and not that it's just about skill and just about getting better at golf a lot of this is yeah. about meeting other people that are like you that are not around the country you know what i mean but right. it is it is nuts to see even in the four years that i've been doing it like the competition from i think just from these big tournaments being available and having to qualify for them everyone's like well I got to go practice. I can't just go play yeah, like, <laughs> like, or, you know, I mean, that's a, it's a serious thing. And I think I'm a competitive person, so I love it. I don't even care if I, I mean, I do care if I get in, but I, I don't for the grand scheme of things, like mm-hmm. it's made me work harder. And I think a lot of people view it the same way. Right. Exactly. Which is good. I agree. Yeah. Which is, which is great to see, you know, one of the, one of the things that this championship we aim to do with it is to inspire, right? Uh, not mm-hmm. only just to showcase the the players, but to inspire, you know, whether it's the next generation or the person that didn't know that golf was an option for them um, to make that initial kind of spark to give golf a shot. I mean, golf, like I've, I've said it, you know, a couple of times already, but golf is for everybody. Um, it's not just for yeah. one subset of, of people. It's, it's really for, for everyone. Uh, and, you know, the adaptive open gives, gives everybody a shot, you know, players with disabilities a shot at that, um, at the U S open uh, of adaptive golf. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, Colton, do you have any questions for us? When am I coming back, man? This has been fun. I think we should, I think we should schedule it for right after that next 
bit of information comes out. Maybe yeah. you can come on here and chat about it a little bit more in depth again. Um, yeah. once you guys um, put some more out, um, but if you don't have anything for us, we obviously thank you a ton for your time. Yeah. Um, it was really nice chatting with you. And I think a lot of people will find a lot of this beneficial to hear out loud from the person in charge instead of just, or, you know, in writing on the website, I think that a lot of people really struggle to to grasp the genuineness of it on the website, even though we know you guys are being. So I, I, this puts a, a human aspect to it or more of a human aspect mm. to it. Um, so we really thank you for that. Uh, and we really thank you for coming on. Thank, no, you. thank you guys for, for having me. And again, I think this is, this is awesome. This is a great, great idea. You know, um, I know the podcast will continue to grow and I'll be sure to, to shout you guys out on, on social media as much as I can. And, um, I look forward to listening to, to future episodes and seeing who else yeah. comes on and, and watching this thing grow. So thanks guys. That'd be awesome. I, I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. And I just like that, Colton, thank you for being, you know, I feel like you're a, a catalyst, uh, for adaptive golf. Um, you know, there's a lot of adaptive golfers, uh, that try to propel golf, adaptive golf, but it, this shows your heart. Uh, and, Make it happen. and, and, and you make it happen and you put in the time and you put in the effort and you put in the energy. And so from my heart, I just want to say thank you for, for your genuinely being concerned uh, for us and, and making the best for us. Well, no, I mean, I, I appreciate you saying that, but you know, it's yeah. y'all are the ones that are, that are inspiring and, and, uh, and really, really doing the the work to, to, to grow this thing and, and to get more people involved in adaptive golf. So I'm just, uh, I'm just here to, you know, conduct a championship and y'all are the players and, and y'all, y'all come play and y'all do the inspiration. Uh, so y'all, y'all, y'all are the real ones here. Thank you. Appreciate it, Colin. Awesome. Thank you, my man. Thank you again. Been fun. Uh, thanks again, uh, Colton for coming on. I think that information will benefit people going a long ways, especially in the U.S. adaptive golf community. And hopefully a few international guys found out some information about what is going to be a, a tough process now for them. But um, <laughs> thank you guys again. Um, looks like we're going to be dropping an episode every Thursday at noon central. And go yeah. check out our Instagram and whatever you guys got. Yeah, I, I just want to say, Thank you, Golf World, and uh, and uh, I'm ready ready to see where this podcast goes, and looking forward to playing some golf with you, boys, too. Yeah, true. We got to get that figured out. A little little trip. I agree. I want well, to say thank you again trip. to Colton, and thank you everybody for tuning in, and we'll see you next week on a new episode. Awesome. Thank you, guys.